welcome to Extra AF with our super special awesome listener stories. I'm Natalie. I'm Kina. And this is Historical AF, bringing the Extra AF of personal stories to you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending us your stories. We got some hometown stuff, and I think we got a ghost story. Yay. I love a good ghost story. How shall we start? Um, let's start with a ghost story. Sure. All right. So it says, I don't think it even says who it's from. (laughs) Hold music. All right. So this email comes from spooky. I'm assuming Colt CLT. Is that what that is? It says chronicling all things spooky in the queen city. So they sent us an email saying, good evening. I'm reaching out because of a shared interest in all things spooky. Currently, I'm chronicling all ghost stories in my home of Charlotte, North Carolina. It is a city as old as the country itself, but has run into a problem that most major cities are running into right now. Transplants. Uh, Currently, the culture in Charlotte is that of people who have only been living here for a few years and have not taken the time to learn that the city is very haunted. I've taken upon myself to try to change that. One of the things I'm doing is reaching out to like-minded individuals with media platforms and attempt to share some spooky stories about the city I love. I welcome you to share them. Look into more if you like. At the very minimum, I'm spreading the word to someone who may listen. I hope you enjoy this spooky nugget of Charlotte history and haunts. So the first one says haunting on Tyron Street. The Tyron House Apartments was built in 1918 and has always served as apartments in the uptown. However, it's unknown to many that Tyron House is home of the Queen City's worst disaster. On March 13, 1940, a fire swept through the three-story apartment, killing six people and injuring nine. Since then, most residents have had paranormal experiences, including hearing the cries of children, a big nope, hearing the noise of someone tossing themselves against a wall, yikes, and most infamously, seeing blood seep from the walls. Okay. That's some, like, shining shit right there. The building is still an active apartment building and hosts a number of Airbnbs. So, if you're in the area, go stay here and let me know if you see blood seeping through your walls. I need to know. Number two. In the 1800s, the John Robinson Circus rolled into Uptown Charlotte, bringing with them, among other oddities, a herd of elephants. Aw, I love elephants. Chief, the elephant was by far the largest and, unfortunately, the most abused of the elephants. Chief regularly suffered... Kerosene burns, beatings, spears to the underbelly, and long trips from the city to city while being tied up. <laughs> so fucking sad. Chief turned on his trainer, fuck yeah, John King, by crushing him against the side of the cage, killing him. I can't say he didn't deserve it. Chief then made a run for it by running down Tyron Street and unfortunately being caught on Church Street more than five blocks away. John King's grave now lies in Elmwood Cemetery in Uptown with a carving of Chief on his tombstone. Oh, <laughs> so he like murders him and then they're like, we're just going to put this right here. <laughs> Some see it as a tribute to the elephant trainer, while others see it as a warning as to what happens to you when you abuse animals. I'm going to say I want the second one. Yep. 
Oh, that makes me so sad. Number three, Charlotte is the home of Henry Louise Wallace, also known as the Taco Bell Strangler. I've never heard that before. It's a chihuahua. (laughs) You get a Taco Bell. (laughs) Wallace is responsible for the death of 10 women. I'm sorry I laughed. Most of whom worked at fast food. It's so funny. I mean, it's Taco Bell. Come on. (laughs) Like, it's an awful situation, but Taco Bell is always going to be funny. So most of them worked for fast food joints, including Taco Bell. Henry would murder his co-workers and often not stop his employment at the fast food chains until weeks after the investigation slowed down. He currently awaits execution and Riley. Holy shit. That's current. Oh, damn. What a psychopath. And why Taco Bell? Why can't they pick, like, McDonald's? (laughs) God damn. Okay, next one is many current locals know the McNich Mansion as a beautiful purple house on Church Street that serves as a restaurant. However, local author Roy Heiser investigated the McNich Mansion in his years as a Charlotte teen. He recorded that him and his friends found a corpse of a middle-aged woman in the abandoned house. Uh, Terrified. Yeah, the teens fled. No shit, but not before seeing the same woman staring at them from the second floor window. Oh, my God. No, you see a dead body. And as you're running for your life, because holy shit, you see the ghost staring at. No, I don't like it. Roy later reports that he returned to home years later unknowingly because to this day it is a restaurant. He did not realize he was in the same house until he saw the same middle aged woman from the years before. Standing in the middle of the restaurant. That's creepy. He chronicles his story in his book, Haunted Charlotte, Supernatural Stories from the Queen City. Hmm. Add that to our reading list. Now it is a local tradition to try to catch a glimpse of the woman in the bay windows of the Purple Mansion. That sounds like a fun time. Now that (laughs) the dead body's gone. Uh, number five, by 1891, there were 60 gold mines underneath what is now Uptown Charlotte. $2.6 million in gold was extracted from the area mines. During its prime, hundreds of workers were in the mines, most of them being immigrants. At one point, more than 12 languages could be heard in the mines. Well, that's a really cool fact. People on city streets and in the gold district of Charlotte still claim to hear whispers of foreign languages and many believe that the lust for gold is still present in Charlotte, leading it to be the banking city that it is today. While operations seized many years ago, countless tunnels still remain, many of which can be accessed. So that's pretty cool. And then they say, I hope you enjoyed these spooky tales. If you'd like to know more, feel free to ask or check me out at Spooky CLT. Stay spooky. We want more. <laughs> I need them all. <laughs> that was so good. And Charlotte being so old, like, who knows how many stories are in there? Yeah. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much for sending that. Those were all really mm-hmm. good. Very fascinating. And uh, some notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pass on a lot of that. Good. I'm not going to talk about Charlotte, I guess. <laughs> Or that restaurant with the dead lady who was in the middle of the floor. That's fun. Mm. Like, she's staring at my salad. Weirding <laughs> <laughs> <Freaking> me out. <laughs> it's like those ghost stories where people are like, oh, there's a bunch of people in the restaurant. And then they turn around and there's nobody in there. No. It's all ghost people. 
that would freak me out. Mm-hmm. I think a movie or TV show where everyone, like it was a secret agency or something and everyone met at a restaurant until like two, the last of the couple innocent customers left. And then all of a sudden everyone in the room went quiet. And then everyone had their, they had their group meeting or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, they lost. <laughs> it was really creepy. Uh, no. <laughs> all right. Are we ready for our next one? Yes. I would like to read uh, Jeffy Jeff Jeffrey Jefferson's <laughs> little tidbit. <laughs> Jeff, 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 Jeff. Now, I'll never get tired of that. So I apologize, Jeff. And by now, this is all annoying that we say <laughs> that I have started this, but I can't stop because it makes me laugh. It still does. <laughs> anyway, so he says, back in the day, painted ladies would often wear red shoes in, in uh, Charleston. Why, you may ask? Well, as you can imagine, walking up to an old lady, would that lady be old? Like <laughs> uh, an old lady standing on a street corner and asking if she was a prostitute could lead to some embarrassment, <laughs> especially if the lady in question was, in fact, not selling herself. So, because most women wore full-length dresses that covered their feet, a system was devised to work around that little problem. Instead, if a man was interested in purchasing services from a lady, he would ask to see her shoes. If she wore red shoes, he knew he could then proceed to a quiet location and solicit sex or similar acts or whatever, you know, whatever's your kink, from the lady. If not, he carried on about his day, hopefully. And he's like, it's not much, but it's what I've got in the old dome. (laughs) (laughs) Keep up the good work, y'all. Love the show. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Man, yeah, we need to do, like, a whole episode. I have it on the, it's going to be on the next poll for you guys, like, sex. Because I think, like, sex worker history is just so fascinating. I found out, like, Austin had, like, a whole underground tunnel network of just for prostitution. And it's just fascinating me. One of the tunnels went straight to the state capitol. You you know what was going on there. That's just interesting. Okay. Uh, this one's called Military Wife Story. So, hello, Kina, Nat, and fur babies. Oh, this is the first person to say hi to my fur babies. And they're both asleep and they don't care. So, cool. We were stationed in Germany for three years. I, too, am a history buff. So, you know, I was trying to find some weird and spooky shit, which there's a ton of them here. So, here's a quickie, but a goodie. So, the Devil's Step in Munich, Germany. The legend of the, oh man, it's German. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Der Tufrischtritt. Oh my God. Or the Devil's Step originates in Munich, Germany. In 1468, an architect wanted to build a church. However, he didn't have the money to do it, so he made a deal with the devil, like you do. The devil agreed to fund the project if the architect dedicated the church to darkness and didn't let any light in. When the church was done, the devil came back to check on his deal, only to find that there was a secret window. Angry, he stomped in the tile floor, leaving a giant footprint. The footprint is still visible, and that's why it's called Devil's Step. And it says, love you guys. You keep me laughing despite all the murder. (laughs) Rebecca. (laughs) Ah, You're 
welcome. Massive footprint. Okay. I mean, is it really the devil? Doesn't he have a hoof? I'm just I'm, saying. I'm just not really that impressed. Like, it looks like my foot could fit in there. <laughs> What's that shoes you wear? <laughs> yeah, I'm not I, I'm not sure I buy it. It devil has a hoof. I'm sticking with it. I saw it on Sabrina. All right, so this next one is Texas School Bus by Beth. Just outside of San Antonio is a stretch of haunted train tracks. It is said that in the 1930s, a busload of children were struck when their vehicle was trapped on the tracks. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, at least 10 children were killed along with the driver. Today, people visit the tracks because it's said that the ghosts of the bus's passengers still wander there. Reports say that if you stop on the tracks facing west and you put your car neutral, it will begin to roll forward across the tracks. The strange thing is, I know, I, I thought this thought and then it fixes it the next sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the strange thing is that it rolls uphill. Because oh. I'm like, hello, it could be slanted, but <laughs> it rolls uphill. So. People have even reported that they found s- small childlike handprints on the trunk or the bumper of their cars as if they were being pushed. No reports of this accident can be found, but many point to a crash in Salt Lake City that killed as many as 30 children as the genesis of the Texas-based hometown legend. Essay's famed ghost tracks is on the south side near uh, Villa Main and Shane Roads, and every year people show up, park several yards away from the track, uh, pour baby powder on their vehicles, and put them in neutral and wait for little ghost kids to come and push the vehicles over and off the tracks. Back in 2003, the Express News reported how Matt Day Wash Walsh. There's a lot of vowels in this. It's spelled weird. Um, and <laughs> an archivist with the San Antonio Public Library debunked the bus legend. According to Matt, I know you're supposed to say the last name. <laughs> We're not going there. Sorry. So according to Matt, the bus accident was actually outside Salt Lake City in 1938, not San Antonio. Oh. How we San Antonians appropriated the Utah story is unknown. I didn't know that. <laughs> Further, Matt noted there is an incline at to- at the top of the tracks, which is why vehicles roll off of them. Something many skeptics have been pointing out for decades. So, all right. And as for fingerprints, well, all of the paranormal investigators keen on the story being true seem to forget that our own hands leave fingerprints on our vehicles, which then become visible when um, powdered is applied. So yeah, you know, something and these spray powder, you can see it. So, uh, but just because it is not true does not mean the fun has to end. Of course, because your kids probably don't know the truth about the tracks, and scaring one's own kids is often the only fun parents <laughs> have these days. <laughs> and once you're done with the ghost tracks, take them on a nightmare ride. Or nighttime, nah, same thing. Nighttime ride through <laughs> Breckenridge Park to see the Donkey Lady, which is a story for next time. Love the podcast, y'all are hilarious. And Beth, I need that Donkey Lady story now. Okay, so I heard on the radio 
that you can call the donkey lady <laughs> and she'll answer, but I, I don't know what the donkey lady is. I haven't looked it up yet, but I've heard it's a big thing around Halloween here. Okay. I gotta well, figure it out. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate this. I love all the info and the toss and turns of, of if this was true or not. But now I need this donkey lady story, please. Yeah. So what you're telling me is it's not real and I shouldn't go there. We still go there. Just have fun. Or scare someone else. Well, I did see that episode of Ghost Adventures where they came to Magnolia. They went to the railroad tracks too. And anyway, they proved that it was actually downhill, even though it looks uphill. It's like an optical illusion or something. Hmm. Okay. So the next one. They're both from Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> So he wanted me to add, he uh, he said that he made us do all the research because he's lazy. <laughs> so I just found some links and sent them to us. Uh-uh-uh. Okay, so he wrote a tweet saying Tulsa Race Massacre, question mark. Apparently people watching Watchmen got an introduction and finally brought some history into the zeitgeist. When I was looking up. For Frankie, I found out that it made the news this week, so I included like this news article to explain the history and then why it's making headlines today. So, The 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre will soon be part of the curriculum for Oklahoma schools. And this made the news on February 20th. So this is also very current. Oklahoma leaders announced Wednesday the state will be moving forward with embedding the story of the 1921 Tulsa race riot massacre into the curriculum of all Oklahoma schools. On the last day of May in 1921, a white mob estimated at 10,000 people descended on the Greenwood District, then an affluent black neighborhood in Tulsa known as Black Wall Street, and they burned it to the ground. Hundreds of African-Americans were killed. Hundreds more were unaccounted for. But that part of history went <coughs> unmentioned for... Are you okay? Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, but that part of history went unmentioned for decades in classrooms across the state. The killings remain Tulsa's dirty little secret, said Senator uh, Kevin Matthews at a news conference Wednesday. And while school districts have begun teaching about the massacre, State Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister said in a news conference... The state's education department will be releasing a curriculum framework this April to bolster the efforts throughout the state. The framework, Holf Meister said, will give teachers extra support and resources when teaching about the massacre. Quote, what we want to ensure is that we're teaching the grade appropriate level these facts that have not been taught in a way they should have been taught in Oklahoma, she said. This is our history and we should know it. Starting this fall, students from elementary through high school are going to learn about this event. So I thought that was really interesting that they're, they're going to put it in all the history classes. Uh, Deborah A. Gist, a superintendent of Tulsa Public Schools, which ran a pilot program teaching the material that is about to go statewide, said that it wasn't until she got into the teaching that she learned about the massacre, despite being a student of the school system she now oversees. So I found that really interesting that even the teachers didn't know about this. Yeah. I feel like they should, but yeah. Oh well. <laughs> and then it says, "What's changed in a hundred years?" With a century mark of the harrowing event approaching, Senator James Lankford said at the news conference that the whole country will soon pause and will look at Tulsa and will ask the question, 
what has changed in race relations in the last 100 years? It's a reasonable question, he said. Teaching about what happened is a step forward towards progress. Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum said that going forward, the question is, quote, how we can use this horrible tragedy to instruct and inform and make sure nothing like this ever happens again. Is this something that you just read about in history books and think that something like this happening 100 years ago, it can never happen again? But that's exactly what people in 1921 in Tulsa probably thought, too, which is a very valid idea. He said he hopes that more black ownership of businesses in Greenwood and in Tulsa in the future is going to happen. This is an incredibly important thing for us to do, and the city is going to move forward. So, yeah. Mine's a little blown. Okay. Yeah. Man. I mean, that's also like that sentence that brought us down. Thanks, Frankie. God damn it. (laughs) So, Frankie, should I tell her the right way to pronounce that? Like you told me to on Twitter, or should we just let it ride? (laughs) The next one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Sorry. No, no. Tell me how to pronounce it so he doesn't yell at me for (laughs) comments. Well, he said, here's how to pronounce it. Natalie. (laughs) Twitter, but I forgot to send it to you. He said it was like a D. Pittick. Pittick. Yeah. Pitted mansion. Yeah. For the record, this looks like pit talk, though. All right. So, the other word, the W word, looks like damn it. He says, uh, it's a W word rhymes with damn it, as in damn it, Nat. I even told you how to do it. That was the quote. The W town name. Okay. Sorry. Continue. What, the Willow Matt one? The William Matt? Rhymes with damn it, apparently. Well, you didn't say that in your thing. <laughs> All you did was capitalize certain letters, and I'm like, how am I? I it doesn't mean I know how to pronounce it. You <laughs> capitalize different letters of it. You didn't say rhymes with damn it, but just do a W. <laughs> Learn my brain, okay? Get on her level. Sorry, to take offense to this. <laughs> All right. So Henry Pittock, a London-born newspaper, <laughs> and his wife Georgina met and married a Portland <laughs> in Portland in 1860. Henry went on to become one of the wealthiest men in Oregon society, investing in a variety of industries, including railroads, banking, ranching, and mining. He was also an avid climber and outdoorsman. He helped to found um, Masma's Climbing Club and became part of the first expedition climb, Mount Hood. Georgina was also an active member of society, becoming involved in many cultural organizations and charities, including the Women's Union and the Ladies Relief Society. She helped to found the Martha Washington Home, a residence of working women. She was also an a an enthusiastic gardener and was a founding member of the Portland Rose Society and the Portland Rose Festival. In 1909, the Pit <laughs> 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 it's a thing now. Sorry, Frankie, you started it. They <laughs> wanted to build a home in Portland to retire in. Uh, they hired the architect Edward T. Folk to, or Falk, I don't know, to design the pitted mansion from scratch. The 46-room mansion, damn, 46 Wow, that's big. 
that is a school. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even think my school had that many rooms. God. I don't think my name is. Anyways, this was built on a hill overlooking Portland with a French Renaissance exterior. Ooh, fancy. It was uniquely designed with oak paneled cabinets, marble floors, and a huge central staircase. Modern amenities like an elevator and dumbwaiter and most strikingly beautiful views of Mount Hood and the Cascade Mountain Mountain Range. Foil lines, the inside of the entryway ceiling, a nod to Georgina's frugal early years when she had to save foil from old tea containers. The Pigeon Mansion was completed in 1914 when Georgiana was 68 years old and Henry was 80. Oh, wow. That's old. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's sad that like, it took that long to finish it. Yeah. I mean, that is like a huge, huge mansion. That's a huge house. Sadly, the couple did not have many years left together to enjoy the home they had built. Georgiana passed away in 1918. Uh, just four years after construction was completed. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> like four whole years of enjoying it before you die. Oh. And Henry died the following year. So he, I guess, had five years. So members of the Pittick family remained in the home for many years until the grandson, Peter Gantenbein, Gantenbein. Frankie, you didn't tell me about this one. <laughs> Anyway, so Peter, who had grown up in the house, attempted to sell it in 1958. He was eight, he was unable to sell it, and the house sat empty for several years. It was severely damaged as a result of the massive Columbus Day storm of 1962, and Peter contemplated having the mansion destroyed. However, oh. rally, the community rallied around the famous site, and Portland residents donated $75,000 to help the city purchase and restore the old home. That's amazing. Especially something of that size. Like, it needs to be yeah. used for that. Uh, the city of Portland officially bought the Penny Mansion in 1964, and a nonprofit was formed to take responsibility for the upkeep of the house. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. They spent just over a year repairing and restoring the mansion, and in 1965, it reopened as the Petty Mansion Museum. It is open daily to the public for touring because the Pettys died before they could really get a chance to use the home. They had designed it to believe that their spirits still hang around the mansion. Ooh. Occurrences have happened, have been reported in the house. Visitors to the house have reported seeing windows shutting and latching on their own, the sounds of heavy footsteps and a portrait of Henry Pitting moving around the house. Oh, no. We just like okay, walk in a room get and it's a different room every time. <laughs> that one would get me. God. Tour guides have reported encountering figures when they open the mansion for business in the mornings. Some people say they have smelled the unmistakable scent of roses, which was Georgiana's favorite flower. Ooh. Um, apparitions of the couple, as well as the head's groundskeeper, and have been seen and felt following visitors as they toured the mansion. 
All the reports seem to indicate the ghosts are far from malicious. Rather, they get the sense that the ghosts are peaceful and happy to be showing guests around their beautiful, uh, their beautifully restored home. The ghosts are friendly and gracious hosts. It seems that although they were not alive long enough to enjoy the home that they had built, the big spirits still remain in their home, welcoming guests and enjoying the beautiful views. Oh, it really is a beautiful house. Man, that is a delightful haunting. <laughs> Jeff just wrote, I want a ghost that smells like juniper or bourbon. <laughs> oh, man, that's cool. I don't think I have a favorite flower, though. Yes. What am I going to smell like when I'm a ghost? I need dogs. a favorite flower. Oh, no, but that's not a fun smell. <laughs> My life. dogs don't smell. All dogs smell. No, they really don't. Everybody always compliments us on how they don't smell. People sniff Ruger all the time. And they're like, why doesn't he smell like a dog? And we're like, we don't know. We don't actually wash them. So we don't. I mean, we do occasionally, but not like all the time. Frankie did add that the Clackamas County Library (laughs) gives one ticket per person for admittance into the mansion. So that's a really cool library program. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you, Frankie, for sending that. Yeah, thank That's you. a really cool mansion. I like that it's a museum. I'd hate to see something like that go to waste. Mm-hmm. I wonder why it was empty for so long. Like, why none of the relatives were living in it. I always wonder mm-hmm. how that happens. I mean, a lot of time with a lot of the really large historic buildings, just, like, the family dies out, and then whoever's left just can't afford to like live there see that happened a lot yeah i i guess if anything i would just i don't know i'd try to find a way and to me it still would be cheaper than trying to live somewhere else or rent something or buy something else but yeah historic buildings are very hard to maintain (laughs) only reason i want this one is because it's already been restored (laughs) i can't afford to do any of that that's way it's a lot of work it does help when it's already been done for you. Yeah, yeah. They did a really good job. Zeke went in there ready to nitpick everything. He's like, this could be garbage. I just know it. And then he was like, this is actually the nicest place we've ever been to. And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> he couldn't find one thing wrong. <laughs> well, thank you all for all the listener stories. That was very much appreciated. I have learned a lot. Yeah. Like, maybe I should reconsider my red shoes I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I love them. <laughs> Lady of the night. That should be our next drunk dive. Well, we're about to do one, but the next one should be like Mulan or <laughs> Get some ladies of the night in there. <laughs> I just watched a bunch of clips from Mulan Rouge on Broadway and I'm like, I want to watch the movie again. Yeah, for Valentine's, we have one that's kind of called Mulan Rouge and it's a couple's painting, so it's two canvases. One is the Eiffel Tower, and the other is a windmill that's supposed to kind of be like his oh, little... Oh, cool! That's called the Moulin Rouge. It's pretty. Man, so fun fact. So when I was in Paris, I was like, I have to see the Moulin Rouge. And it's in the red light district. And little old me, Arkansas, small town, girl, naive, very innocent at that time, was <laughs> like, I don't... I'm fine. So I went with my friend, and I... Oh, man. So it's like Moulin Rouge. And then next to it was a call... 
the sex machine and it was literally a sex machine and then on the other side of the moulin rouge is a triple x like porn theater and i was just like oh because i don't have that here and my little young brain was like i don't know how to process this (sighs) it was very it it was yeah it was 2006 it was it was it was a moment ago Yeah. Anyway, you always see a picture of Moulin Rouge. You don't see the sex machine. They don't zoom out far enough for you to see that. And I was like, what is that? That was the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't afford to actually go to the Moulin Rouge to see the show. That was was really poor. All right. Well, thank you again for our, our listener stories. Uh, please send more for next month. Like, I need to know about the donkey lady, and then apparently about the smallest park. I saw Frankie mention that. That's super awesome. And we're going to move on to the drunk dive. How about that? So, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. <gasps> okay, bye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs>